It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advanced B2B. Advanced B2B helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now joining us today on the show is Kevin Lee, VP of Marketing at Buffer and we're talking about how to run a successful remote SaaS marketing team. Now, Buffer is famous for being a fully remote organization. And in this episode, Kevin shares Buffer's remote work playbook and gives us a peek inside into how their global team operates. Buffer's marketing team is made up of folks in the US, South America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. And Kevin talks to us about how they do strategic planning on an annual and quarterly basis using a framework called BETS, what a typical week looks like at Buffer, how the marketing team runs across five continents and the tools and tech stack they use. Kevin also talks to us about the role of transparency in remote work, how to overcome challenges such as loneliness, and also how to manage individuals remotely when you don't meet face-to-face. So all this and more is on episode number 49 of the Growth of Podcast with Kevin Lee, VP of Marketing at Buffer. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Kevin Lee to the show, who is VP of Marketing at Buffer. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth Hub podcast. You're welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited about this episode, and today we are talking about how to run a successful remote marketing team, and I can think of a few better people to talk about this topic with as you and the Buffer team are famous for operating as a fully remote team in SaaS and you really made this cool and you made it open and accessible to a lot of other teams and set the bar when it comes to working remotely. So I think to start things off and give everyone a bit of context, can you describe your marketing team? So how many people are on the team? What are their roles and where is everyone located? Yes, happy to. So we are either nine people or 11 people, depending on how you count. Um, The other two people, numbers 10 and 11, are cross-functional roles that we've hired in the last couple of years. There's a marketing designer and a marketing engineer. So they report into each of those disciplines, so into the marketing org and into the design org, but we consider them part of our team. They come to retreats, they join our sinks, all that good stuff. So we have those two skills, which is awesome. Um, the other nine folks are, yeah, that's kind of the, the main marketing team there that reports to either me or our marketing director. So we have me as the VP, a marketing director. We have four teammates who are who kind of make up our product marketing half of, of the team and they report into our marketing director. So it's two product marketers, one kind of a customer marketer, does a lot of email and community work. And then uh, the fourth person is more of a website conversion acquisition expert. So that's that's kind of our product marketing pod. And then we have a brand marketing set on, on the other half and that includes a PR person and a content editorial person who helps with um, SEO blog and podcasts. And yeah, then in terms of where we're located, we are really all over the world. So I'm based in Boise, Idaho, in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. We have folks in New York, Philadelphia, Nashville. Um, Let's see, where else? California, 
And then internationally, we have someone in the UK, someone in Brazil right now, someone in Poland, Singapore, and Australia. So we are, we are all over the place um, in, in the best of ways. Yeah, that's amazing. Like truly a global team. And I think super interesting to hear how you structure and organize the marketing team as well with the different pods. And I think a good starting point would be the big picture before we then get a little more focused. So when it comes to things like developing the marketing strategy or your annual or half yearly planning, how do you work as a team on those bigger initiatives? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's, it's a fun challenge to do it remotely. Um, just kind of that brainstorming strategic planning aspect. So for us, we kind of have this bigger direction as a company that we're moving. And then we have a lot of autonomy within Buffer to kind of choose the ways that we want to impact that ourselves. So when we get the bigger objective on, as, at the company level, we then take that and break it down into what we want to accomplish on the marketing side. So for instance, this year, we have a big focus on becoming the best social media management product for our target customers, which are direct-to-consumer brands. It's kind of the way that we're, we're building toward that segment. So for us on the marketing side, what we've taken taken that to mean is we want to focus on our market share, so increasing market share. And then we also want to focus on increasing our average revenue per user. So we kind of see this bigger objective out there. We choose a couple of kind of guiding metrics that will tell us if we're on track. And then we can break that down further into the specific um, bets that we want to make and into the specific roadmap projects that we want to, to hit quarter to quarter. So the, the bets model comes from Spotify we borrowed it from them it was they call it dibs which is short for data insight beliefs and bets so it's kind of a cycle of you start with data you collect insights from that data you form beliefs about your insights and those become bets that you make um, and as you go about working on the bets you then create more data that you can then analyze to create insights it's just kind of a nice little loop that, that circles there so we kind of have a our own spin on that we do call them bets we have three bets that are, are intended to guide us for the whole year. Um, and then based on those bets, quarter to quarter, we break it down into projects. And the way we did it recently is the whole team kind of contributed feedback to the bets. So I, I kind of came up with some of the bets, the, the general concept of the bets and got feedback. And then we kind of take it to the team. Like this is the general direction we want to move. What projects do you think make sense given the context that you have on your area, what you're seeing, what your expertise is, and then that kind of forms the actual roadmap, which I think ended up being seven things in Q1 spread across the different bets and across the different areas. And of course, they're not the only things we'll work on, but they're kind of the, the priorities. So if you ever find yourself trying to choose between one thing or another thing to work on in a given week, you kind of go back to the roadmap and bets to realign your work. Um, yeah, so it sounds a bit loose. It's not like a, a rigid OKR system at all, but it is. there is some form and function to the way it comes about. Yeah, this is super interesting. And it's funny you mentioned OKRs because we just did an episode about that. So it's quite interesting to hear your model uh, versus something like that. But uh, yeah, super interesting. And I think if we get more granular now, so that's what you're talking about on an annual half year quarterly level. So can you talk us through your typical week? Like what does that look like? What kind of schedules, routines and processes do you have in the Buffer marketing team? Yeah, happy to. It's, it's interesting we have... I mentioned we have kind of two pods. We have a product marketing group and a brand marketing group. And I think even their week-to-weeks look a little different. So the product marketing group, they have a weekly 
sync where they all get together and chat almost like a weekly standup. And that is, that happens live over Zoom. And the fortunate thing is, well, I guess it's, it's mostly fortunate. <laughs> um, some of those folks, that includes our Singapore and Australia teammates, as well as our uh, California teammates. So their time zones have a bit more overlap. We also have a couple of East Coast US folks there. So it's a bit late for them, but um, we found that it's, it's almost impossible to get all of us on the same sync since we have Europe, North America, Asia Pacific, like it's almost like a third of the world evenly divided. So um, that group does have overlaps. They get to sync up together. On the brand side, we don't do a synchronous chat. We almost break it out into, into projects and then do that asynchronously. So for instance, we're working on a new podcast and that is happening asynchronously um, through some of the tools that we use to, to work on the team here. So it's kind of a difference there, I think, depending on what, what team you work closest with. Um, and then beyond that, in terms of schedules, it's very, very open for the teammate to set kind of the way they, they choose to work. We're more of a results-based workplace. So as long as you're achieving the results and working collaboratively on hitting deadlines, that's the most important thing for us. So we do have like the initial stand-up for the product group and the asynchronous like update threads for the brand side. Um, but beyond that, the work varies so much week to week in terms of what projects are going on that um, you know, we'll chat in Slack or we'll chat in the different tools we have, but it's mostly like that once a week check-in and then at the end of the week, we share updates on the main roadmap projects that we're working on. That, like, I think it involves four teammates. Those seven projects are split among four teammates at the moment, so not everyone will share an update, uh, but different people will have different projects throughout the year. So it's more of just a catch up on like, how are we doing on our goals and, and the roadmap stuff, and then including like a, a metrics overview too of how the last week went some of our, our key metrics right yeah that makes total sense and i think we'll talk more about the tools you use in a moment but you just touched on this uh, in your previous answer but a big issue for you is that the marketing team is split across multiple time zones from like you mentioned places uh, such as idaho where you are the uk singapore and and so forth so when some of you are working others are asleep so how are you able to collaborate communicate and work together as one team across all these time zones yeah I think it's great that we are spread out as, as much as we are. It's, it's almost like the Buffer marketing team never sleeps in a sense, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, I think there was a saying, the sun never sets on the British empire. Like back in the day, the sun never sets on, on the Buffer marketing team either. <laughs> um, and what's nice about that is like, you can, I, I can do a full day's work. If I'm working with my teammate in Singapore, let's say that like I can do a full day's work let them know what I finished and they can pick it up from there, do a full day's work. And when they log off, then I'm almost back online again. It's almost like just a continuous cycle of, of progress, which feels really great. Um, but practically speaking, like how do we actually do that? There is a lot of extra written communication that needs to happen. And that is something that we, we do check for in the hiring process. I think it's important to have a strong, written communication skills when we hire folks just for that reason. I think it can take up a lot of time. Otherwise, if you're not um, comfortable kind of communicating that way, and, and especially like there's a lot of, there's, there's a lack of tone sometimes when you're emailing folks or writing quick updates. So if you're not used to that type of communication, it, it does take longer to make sure you're messaging everything the right way and sharing the things you need to share. The tricky thing is like you don't get a, you can't really leave room for questions because you'll be asleep when your teammate might have money to ask you the questions, like the clarifying questions. So you need to be really clear 
when you do pass that stuff off. Um, but for us, it's it's a pretty smooth process. So again, we'll we'll talk about the tools, but some of those tools make it so easy for us. We'll add, you know, check boxes here with dates, so you know exactly what to do and when. We can comment in line on each other's work, so you can see exactly the feedback on the specific bits. Um, yeah, I think technology has afforded us the luxury of working quite efficiently as a remote team. Like I coming into marketing many years ago, I don't know that we could have been as effective kind of given the way that, that tech had, had yet, yet to evolve. So we're very fortunate to have a lot of great tools. And then we have people who are uh, responsible, deadline oriented, results oriented, and great you know, written communicators. And I think that makes a big difference for us. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear about the recruitment process and what you're looking for when thinking about bringing someone into the marketing team. So before we jump into the tools, are there certain things you look for, certain characteristics that will make someone more suitable for a remote position or part of a remote team? Or are there ways that people themselves can think whether they would be suitable for, for working as part of a remote team? Yeah, I think there are a few characteristics that, that help. Um, for sure, the written communication side of things. So when we're going through applications, of course, everyone is doing their absolute best to you know, present themselves well. I think we're also looking for how clear their communication is. Do they use, you know, a lot of um, buzzwords that might be, they might know, but maybe they're, they assume that everyone else knows. And like that can be kind of tricky when we're trying to communicate um, with clarity. So like just little, little things like that, like how, how easy is it to understand exactly what the person is trying to communicate through um, their application, through the stories they tell about their past work. So I think that's one of the key things we look for. I think there's an element of timeliness and reliability that does come through in the application process. So when we're emailing back and forth with people, if you know they take a couple of days to respond, or if you know we're not entirely sure what they're thinking or what's happening in the process, if it's just not you know very clear where they're at, it's often a sign that that might that might happen also when they come to work here. Like on our team, I try to have a 24 hour email policy that if anyone emails me or you know slacks me or anything like that reaches out to me i'll get back to them before their day starts the next day and i think that's kind of the same mentality we look for in the hiring process like if we're emailing some follow-up questions we'd love to you know, hear back soon whether it's oh i got your message i'll get back to you in you know a couple of days i'm busy or if it's you know here's all the answers we don't expect you to drop everything during the hiring process and and like be on call for us um but it's more about that communication style. Like, are you reliable? Are you trustworthy in communicating regularly with us and, and timeliness? So I think those are two of the bigger ones. Um, more broadly speaking, we really value teammates who are curious and teammates who have drive. So they're curious to learn everything there is to know about whatever they are doing at the moment. And then they're driven to you know, take action and to ship value to our customers and to, I think, learning comes into that too so kind of curiosity and drive combined make for a really powerful combination um, that's a bit less remote specific but i think it does play into like you, are, you do kind of have to be self-led with your learning and your work in a lot of ways so i think that's something we try to suss out during the interview process yeah i can imagine really good point so so let's jump into the tech so what are some of the tools you use as a remote team yeah yeah so you and i are chatting on zoom which is great so zoom is one of our favorites we we love that. We used to do Google Hangouts for a bit, and we used to use this tool called Squiggle, which was, it doesn't exist anymore. I think there's some that are similar to it, but it's um, 
like a live screenshot of your face that refreshes every five minutes <laughs> so you can see like what your teammate where your teammate is or if they're at their computer it was it was interesting <laughs> that was yeah. that was like very early days of buffer and um didn't quite take off but zoom zoom is how we talk over video um and then we use slack for our you know, instant messaging um we do use like google like g suite so gmail to email with outside folks we use a new tool tool called threads and threads is similar to like an internal forum for us so you can post messages reply to messages there's different channels um, it's like an asynchronous inbox for what's happening there so we use that we use dropbox paper that's where we collaborate in more like a real-time collaboration tool so we don't use google docs for instead we use dropbox paper um, we use notion for our like internal wiki more of the evergreen resources that we have so our marketing strategy is documented there and i think those are those are the main communication tools that are universal across the team beyond that we don't really act, like enforce specifics on the on teammates where like whatever you're most effective with you can use so some teammates use trello to organize projects some teammates um, use jira to organize a lot of teammates to use um, doist for um, to-do lists some people use asana um, but we don't have like a, a system there necessarily it's up to everyone um, yeah, I hope I'm not leaving any tools out. I think that's kind of the, the foundation for us. And we've, we find that covers 90% you know, of the work that we uh, need to have done together. Okay, that's super interesting because it's quite a short list. So you don't need that many tools to operate as a remote team, which, which is quite interesting to hear. And uh, I, I think like following from this, I mean, when you think of Buffer, one of the words that comes to mind is transparency. I think a lot of that is to do with the founder Joel Gascoigne, who's who's very open and, and talks very openly about Buffer's performance and, and what's happening within the company. So what role does transparency play within the marketing team? Yeah, I'm very grateful to work at a transparent company. It's, it's been wonderful for me. I, I think on the marketing side, maybe from the, the bigger picture on the marketing side, so we kind of have a view of the entire health of the company and what's happening company-wide because of that transparency. I think probably anyone in the world can know how the company is doing because of Joel's um, transparency too, which is great. But that, that helps us place our work into context. It helps us make decisions faster because we already have the context of what's happening elsewhere. So I think from like the highest level, that's one of the major benefits that I can see for transparency. Um, one of the things that I personally have found very useful with transparency is that I have grown so much in like my professional development and my personal development in being able to see all these other conversations and learn from people on the team on how they think through problems and challenges and approach strategy, whether it's, you know, product strategy or data strategy or customer support challenges, like you name it, I, I can see it whenever I want to. And I think that's, that's just been so powerful for me. Um, like bringing it back to marketing in particular, since all of our work is transparent, someone who is a product marketer can learn from our social media marketer, like some best tips on social media and almost like level up their own skills through that. Um, there's so much information sharing and context sharing. I think it just raises the level of performance for all teammates when they're able to learn from each other in that environment. So I think that's, that's for sure one of the major 
benefits that I've felt and I've seen my team feel from transparency. I think uh, kind of beyond that, all of our data and metrics are transparent. So there's nothing, there's no metric that I know that the rest of the team doesn't know. And I think that is, I think it's helpful for people management. So the people that I manage, they don't have to ask me what's going on. They can see for themselves what's going on. They can dig into the data themselves. They have the context that I have and it, it makes, you know, they can ask strategic questions. They can, we can talk on a higher level about this kind of stuff. Um, and they don't have any doubts or worries or curiosities that they can't kind of solve themselves. Um, and I think also having the data be transparent just helps us kind of move faster and be more aligned more quickly. Um, we can all see, you know, hop into Mixpanel, which is what we use for our, our marketing metrics. We can hop into Mixpanel and see these trends happening all at the same time and, you know, celebrate successes and, and alter plans to, to move metrics in different directions. So I think it's helped us move a lot faster too. So not, not, not anything super specific, but I think these general themes, they really do build over time into, you know, some really powerful impacts on efficiency and trust and these different factors that, that make for quite a fun place to work. Yeah, I could imagine. And I think remote teams and remote work itself, it can be a polarizing issue. Some people think it's amazing. Others are a little more skeptical. They don't believe it can work. So, I mean, let's dig into the, the pros and cons of remote work and remote teams. So let's start with the good stuff. You've already mentioned quite a few benefits, but, but if you think about working as a remote team, what are the core benefits that come to your mind? Yeah, I would say that the, the focus is one of the biggest ones for, for me. You have the ability to carve out a workspace that you can get the most done and work the most efficiently and effectively. You can, if you prefer kind of more of the isolation and carve out your own home space, great. If you prefer to be at coffee shops or co-working spaces, if that's where you work best, that's great too. Um, one of our core values in relation to remote work is that we want you to work from wherever you're happiest and most productive. I think that's only possible because of remote work. I don't think everyone is as happy and productive as they can be in a traditional office environment. Um, so flexibility comes into that too. I think flexibility, not only in terms of productivity, but also in terms of just like your life and the things that are important to you. So I have a family and I've been part of my son's life in a very real way, like ever since he was, since I joined Buffer when he was two years old until today. And, you know, I, I can't, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I think it's amazing. And others, you know, are able to travel the world and uh, move to different cities and not have to worry about finding new jobs. So there's a really wonderful aspect of that. Um, and I think there's a neat level of kind of trust and autonomy that comes with remote work. So people are expected to perform and deliver results. And I think that is a very empowering way to work. I think that's the way I wish everyone could be able to work is to have that, that freedom and trust to do the work that you're passionate about and skilled at and have a workplace that has brought you on to do just that. So I think that's something that does come as a result of remote work where you kind of earn that trust by default because you are kind of on your own getting the work done. So yeah, those are, those are some of the big ones that come to mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think anyone who works in an office environment and knows that how easy it is to get distracted or struggle with with focus I, I find this very appealing at least when it comes to the remote work side of things but I mean on the flip side it's also not as easy as it sounds and what what for you have been some of the main challenges you faced and how did you overcome them 
Yeah, so we put a, together a remote work survey every year. It comes out every February. And one of the themes that's come up in the past couple of years is loneliness. And I think that's one that does, does come through remote work and is something that is important to be mindful of if you, know, if you are thinking of going remote or if you are remote. Um, loneliness kind of stems from that isolation. Like there's isolations can be great focus, but it can also be a bit lonely at times. And so the way that we've worked through that is we have some different programs at Buffer that we encourage teammates to participate in. We have a mastermind program where you're paired with a peer in the company and encouraged to chat regularly and kind of have a, a regular point of contact there. Um, we try to do team activities. We use different Slack integrations to encourage one another and kind of build some camaraderie. We use one called Hey Taco, which you can give people a taco emoji that they can then redeem for rewards once they collect enough tacos. It's, it's fun and silly, but it, it does kind of lend to that, that, team, that team feel. Um, and then we try to be intentional about getting together uh, once or twice a year in person. Um, so we have that going for us. And then we do reimburse co-working or coffee shop work so that people can go out and be around people and not feel like they have to kind of pull up in the house unless they want to. So I think loneliness is one of the big ones. I think the other one that we often come across is how easy it is to brainstorm together. I think there's something, every time we're together in person, we're always like, oh, how great is this to just kind of bounce ideas back and forth? And how can we recreate that in a remote environment? I wouldn't say that we've solved that by any means, but it is something we think about a lot and experiment with a lot. Um, I think brainstorming is one of those interesting ones where it can happen remotely and, and does happen remotely. There's just something about the real-time nature of it that is a bit hard to capture um, when you're on a Zoom call or when you're writing in a paper doc and you're in different time zones and things. So we've, we've done some different things there. We do try to do it asynchronously. We'll, before we hop into meetings where we intend to brainstorm, we might ask teammates to, you know, if you prefer to share, Let's kick things off asynchronously beforehand. We'll, you know, do some advanced prep work so that we can come with our best ideas. Um, we try to leave channels open for ideas when they do come up and allow space for those conversations to happen. So we're trying some things, but I wouldn't say we've solved that one necessarily yet. Um, but it is, is something we're aware of as a, one of the challenges of remote work. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. And I love the taco idea. And <laughs> it's super good. And even though you're remote most of the year, like you said, you do meet up and Buffer has its famous annual retreat. And I was checking out some of those in the past. You've been to places like Cape Town, Iceland, Madrid, and I think most recently San Diego. So when you do have these retreats, how do you spend that time when you're all face to face? Yeah, it's, it's nice that we have a week because I think we spend it in multiple ways um, kind of make the most of that time together so we do usually have like team-wide sessions and those are great for making sure everyone's on the same page with things that can be easy to I, I think naturally it happens when you come together at a retreat you're all excited and and jazzed and you know feeling super aligned about exactly what's happening and then over the next nine months even you could say like you kind of maybe lose track a little bit or just get so into your own work you kind of need to have that retreat again to reconnect on kind of the bigger picture work that we're doing together so i think that's one of the, the great re reasons for getting together there joel will prepare uh, you know a talk for us kind of share his thoughts which is also always awesome to get live so that's one of the things is like company alignment 
I think another huge factor is team bonding. Um, I think some teammates in particular really uh, crave that and, and need that time together. And so we'll, I think we usually take a whole day off like a Thursday during the week just to hang out together and do activities around whatever town we're in. And the sole intention there is just to bond. There's no pressure to talk about work or to make plans or to work on projects or anything like that. It's just get together and be together. And yeah, maybe the, the one thing we don't do together is projects. We don't typically show up and do like a hack week or anything like that. It, we try to spend more of the time together, either focusing on vision strategy stuff or focusing on getting closer as a team. So on the vision strategy side, we do it as a company. We also do it in breakouts as individual departments. So marketing will have, you know, a couple of those days to workshop together and maybe talk through some challenges or new strategies or celebrate some things. Um, so yeah, we kind of split it into that, I guess. I, it, depending on the season of life at Buffer, it might be more bonding, it might be more strategy. It just kind of depends what we're coming into, into that retreat from. Um, but those are typically the two themes that we try to hit the hardest. Yeah, that sounds great. I can imagine that that is a super fun week for you and the team. And I have to say, I'm from Sheffield, which is where your founder and CEO Joel is from. Yes. So I hope to see Sheffield added to that list <laughs> in future. I think I, I couldn't think of uh, a better place, you know, Cape Town, Sydney, Iceland, they're all good, but you know, Sheffield, that's uh... <laughs> We'll invite you down if we make it to Sheffield. Oh, sure. That you would be an honor. <laughs> that would be an honor. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, we've covered a lot, but before we wrap up and move on to our fast five, closing questions is there anything else you'd like to add or any other advice you'd like to share on what it takes to run a successful remote SaaS marketing team oh yeah i think we've covered so many of the basics um i I guess if you're considering doing it there's a lot of ways to get started with remote work for us we are fully remote we don't have a headquarters like we are the we are the extreme on the remote work spectrum i think there's there's ways to dip your toes into it. it can be you know a day a week where everyone works from home. It can be um, some in office, some at home. There's lots of different variations of it. And so if it's something that you're eager to try or just eager to test out, um, you don't have to go all in right away. There's there's a spectrum of remote work. So uh, lots of different ways to try it out. And I think there's also something to be said just for how, how unique it is from a people management perspective um, to manage people that you know you might not meet in person for 300 days or something like that. Like you can go a long time between seeing them face to face in person. Um, so just kind of being sensitive to that and, and knowing some unique remote tips for connecting with teammates. I think when I, when I manage, when I'm managing people, um, a lot of it comes down to finding a way to spend that kind of one-to-one time talking about life and connecting on a personal basis, just because so much of the rest of your communication with each other is work-based. Um, you almost use that weekly time in one-to-ones to connect um, on, more, on a more personal level. So I think that's been one change I've made to remote that's helped a lot and has helped teammates feel like they have a connection. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think we've we've kind of set the, the foundation here. Thanks for the great questions on it. Yeah, that's great to hear. So I, I think, yeah, your answers have been fantastic. And I think if anyone is considering working at a remote team or starting to work outside of an office, then I think this is a great set of answers for, for people to, to listen to and, and consider. So I have to say this was amazing and we could move on now to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So all I will do is ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So Kevin, are you ready? I am ready. All right. 
Good. So the first question is, what's the one book that you would recommend others to read? I just read a book called Alchemy. It's written by Rory Sutherland, who works at the Ogilvy Agency. It's kind of about the psychology of marketing. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah, that sounds good. Second question, a SaaS company that you love and why? I love Trello. I am I can make anything into a Trello board and always that's like my first thing I always try anytime someone asks me to, to manage a project. So Trello's my favorite. I love the UI, I love the branding, I love the messaging in it. It's it's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't live without that. Uh third question, favorite place to read about marketing online. I'm a big fan of newsletters. I don't know if that counts as online or not. I guess yeah, it's in my inbox, counts. which is online. <laughs> yeah, so I have a few favorites. I subscribe to um, Demand Curve. They have a great one. Um, I love Heaton Shaw's content that he sends through email. There's a new site called Marketing Examples that sends neat marketing emails. So any newsletter I can get, I'm, I'm into that. Cool. Fourth question, most important growth metric? I think the most important one is retention. I think that's the one that kind of sets the stage for everything else to to go from yeah absolutely and then the fifth and final question best piece of advice for fellow marketers i think when i, when I think of this question for me i would have loved to have heard you are good enough like you are, you don't have to doubt yourself i think that's something that coming into marketing from a non-traditional marketing background i've always kind of had that chip on my shoulder that self-doubt um, so my best piece of advice would just be like trust your trust your skills. You're already great at what you do and um, you're enough. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, I have to say thank you so much for coming on the Growth Hub podcast. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Yes. Thank you, Edward. It was great to chat with you. That was Kevin Lee on how to run a successful remote SaaS marketing team. Now, you can find Kevin on Twitter at Kevin Lee. And as ever, if you have any thoughts or feedback, then you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by Growth Marketing Agency Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are Biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different.